Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I have Nita Sweeney on with us. She is an award-winning wellness author of the Running and Mental Health Memoir, Depression Hates a Moving Target, How Running with My Dog Brought Me Back from the Brink, and co-creator of the writing journal, You Should Be Writing, a journal of inspiration and instruction to keep your pen moving. Her upcoming book, Make Every Move a Meditation, was featured in the Wall Street Journal. So welcome to the show today, Nita. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks yeah. so much. I'm excited to kind of chat with you and, um, you know, chatting with an author who's written multiple books now and just kind of to get a feel for how all that came together. So can you share a little bit about your own personal journey and what led you to writing books? Well, I have wanted to write, I think my whole life. I remember in school, we created a book and then bound it ourselves. And, you know, mine was sort of a horrible knockoff of Black Beauty or something like that. But I was so excited to see my name on the cover of that book and to tell my version of the story. And um, over the years, there's been a lot of ups and downs. But I got to a place where I had a number of books that I had tried to publish and wasn't successful. And then when I took up running, that changed the dynamic both emotionally and physically. And it also gave me a different story to tell that had a broader appeal possibly than the other more memoir, kind of family memoir things, relationship dynamic kind of things I was writing. And that's the book that was finally picked up by Mango Publishing. And so it it took a, it took a lot of work and it was, um, I pitched a lot of different publishers and entered contests and things like that. So it was its own marathon, which is kind of <laughs> funny because it's about running that, that it's like a mental health and running book. And um, yeah, so after that, I um, had um, just a conversation with my editor and she had this idea for a writing journal. And so that's the second book. It is a um, blank pages with author quotes at the top of each page to kind of kick you off or you know, give you ideas or inspire. And then after I started running, I had, I had been a meditator for many, many years, but I realized pretty quickly that it was easy for me to meditate while I was running. And so in the promotion of the first book, Depression Hates Moving Target, and kind of um, the writing journal came out in 2020. So that was sort of its own little mess, but I was really leaning more into meditation and the mental health aspect of everything and of course continuing to run. I started posting these little videos on various social media, Instagram, TikTok, things like that, about what my object of meditation would be when I was walking or running or whatever movement I was doing that day. And my editor and I were talking about next books because I have a lot of different ideas. And she said, what about those little videos? And I had already thought maybe of doing something with that. So that's how the third book wound up happening was that they were interested in something that was movement, mental health, and meditation. So it had all those components. And yeah, here we are. It's, it's, um, it, I mean, it's one of those, for me, it's a dream come true. I mean, I've been, been writing all my life, but to finally be published and to have people receiving the work well, um, it, it's, I, I, it's a pinch, my, it's a pinch me moment a lot of the times. Mm. I love that. I would love for you to share a little bit about the publishing aspect of it. Cause I know I do have some people in the audience who listen, who maybe have that book idea that they're kind of like 
how do I even start? Like, how do I maybe have written quite a bit, but then the publishing aspect part of it can be kind of overwhelming. So can you share a little bit, you know, how you found the publisher and what that looked like and maybe how many you submitted before, you know, you finally had your yes. So people don't submit once and they're like, oh, they said no. And that's it. So here are the numbers of how I became an overnight success. I always love saying that. It took me essentially 20 years because I'd been writing that long. But again, I didn't have the running mental health book idea until very late in that process. I pitched with that book. Once I had a solid draft, I had written a proposal um, I started what they call querying, which you write a query letter. You actually let me back up. You go to the publisher's website and you look for their submission guidelines and you read those and you follow them as if they were a roadmap on which your life depended. Because part of this deal is the ability to follow directions, get along with people, be a team player. And so, um, so yeah, I did that. And I pitched 108 agents, 132 publishers, and I entered, I believe it was 30 contests, but that may not, they may not have all been with that particular book because sometimes you enter a contest and then that'll lead you to a publisher in a different way. But yeah, it was a very long, um, it was a marathon, like I said. And uh, I was very fortunate because Brenda Knight at Mango Publishing Group saw the potential especially the mental health angle. This was 2018 is when I um, formed the relationship with Mango and really the, and the stigma and the mental health awareness was really coming full on to the scene and it was just good timing. So they picked it up and published it. And a lot of that, you know, they, they published the book, which means they, um, create the print content, they edit it, they format it, they design it, they choose the cover, which I had input on that. They changed the title. Mm -hmm. Uh, The original title was 26 point freaking two. And then they asked me for some other options, which that's totally fine. You know, so don't get too, don't get too in love with your title. Um, (laughs) And, um, and so I'd had this phrase that I'd said, and some friends of mine had said for years, um, depression, it's a moving target, just stand up, just get out of bed, just you know, brush your teeth, just get moving. You're fighting inertia. And so I threw that out. She said, that's it. That's exactly it. So, uh, so yeah. And then they create the ebook and then they sold the audiobook rights to Tantor Media, which is a, it's, I'm not sure. I think it has another name now actually, but, uh, but it's a audiobook production company where they have a stable of authors that are, I'm sorry, uh, actors, actors and actresses that actually perform the book for you. And uh, so they hired their person who read the book or act, she, they really acted out as what they do. And uh, yeah, so it was a, it was kind of a big deal because sometimes, you know, um, publishing is, it's, it's everything from doing all of it yourself to doing none of it yourself. But even within all that, there's the marketing part that the author is still responsible for. So I would say that was the thing that, well, I knew it was a big deal. I don't think I knew how much of a big deal it was. But that was part of the proposal that you submit. Um, most publishers want to see a proposal. And a big part of that is how are we going to get this book out of obscurity and into 
the conversation um, into that reader's conversation. And that could be podcasts, this right here. It could be writing guest posts. It could be local radio. It could be, you know, getting on Oprah, which I have yet to achieve. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it could be, it's really, again, it's kind of a spectrum. So um, no matter what end of the publishing spectrum you're on, whether you're doing all of the publishing bits and pieces yourself, or with if you have a traditional publisher like I have, where they're doing a lot of it um, for you, or you know if that's their job, even within that, there's a lot of responsibility that the author has beyond the writing itself. And um, yeah, and I've gotten to the point that I really enjoy parts of it, and I lean into those parts because your readers can tell mm-hmm. if you do something that you don't like, they're going to know it. And you want to align with them where they're at, with the people that are going to resonate. So I, you know, that's why a lot of the um, runners and uh, people who do movement um, maybe listen to podcasts while they're doing that. And uh, they're kind of audio people. And so that's, that's sort of where I'm focused now in terms of not just promotion, but just kind of connection with the community. Because I also do coaching. I have a, you know, sort of a whole little business that I do with this. And um, so I just had to, I had to choose where to spend your time because it, it can, it can take up every moment of your time. And then you're, and then I'm like, wait a minute, I wanted to write. And so I have to really be, have strong boundaries to carve out the time for writing and the time for running and the time for family, all the things that make a, um, a full life. Uh, so this it's a little juggling. Yeah. Mm. Do you have, um, I know I've had a friend who, you know, authored and was working on publishing a book and she was like, got into the weeds with like, how many social media followers do you have? And I think that's where sometimes people can get stuck up too. Like, I don't have enough and there's not enough people, you know, in your, you know, aspect when you were doing this, did that matter? Or, you know, are there workarounds for people who might be listening? They're like, well, I only have like a thousand people who follow me. Oh yeah. Am I going to get a yes? Oh yeah. So the best the the uh, okay so let me back up a little bit on this i didn't realize we we're going to talk so much about publishing but this is great either, I do, but i, I love like... i love no this is good and i'm i'm a good i mean i've been i've been in kind of this business for a couple decades so i have a lot of information so it depends first off if you're writing fiction which i don't know you know like novels short stories things like that your following is a lot less important because with fiction especially the quality of the writing, the quality of the story is the most important thing. So focus on writing. The, I mean, this is always true, but especially with a novel. Um, they, people w- want to fall in love with your characters. They want to fall in love with your um, the setting. They want to fall in love with the way you spin the story, the way you write it out. The publisher will still be interested in your what they call platform which is your followers but they're they're going to be interested first and foremost in the writing okay. now when you're writing nonfiction, um my first book is a memoir but it's also a little bit of self-helpish how-to and so it has a little overlap it's kind of a hybridish um, and so I kind of fell into the fiction category because with memoir, again, the writing, the story, the way you tell the story, what the story means, that's all really, really important. 
but you also, because it's this has this self-help how-to-ish kind of um, angle to it also, they did need me to have a pretty good following. Luckily, I had been blogging for years. I had an email newsletter because your email newsletter is actually your most powerful piece of marketing real estate. It really is. Um, all the social media is the place you interact with your existing fans, your existing readers, your friends, your neighbors, you know, everybody. Um, that's where you interact. Yes, you can be discovered. Yes, people get discovered. People also win the lottery. Just saying. Um, but your email newsletter, those people have given you permission to talk to them. They said, yes, I want to hear from Andrea Clausen. Yes, I want to hear from Nita Sweeney. And so that's your prime real estate. And so if you're going to write and you don't yet have an email newsletter, that is actually a place I would start. Um, and then the um, the one thing that I will say, though, is that my publisher saw my social media numbers and did ask me to see what I could do in a couple of weeks to kick those up. And what she meant was just post a lot and post things that are, are directly related to the book. So for me, that was mental health stuff, running stuff, dog stuff, because I, the book is about running with my dog. Anything with that angle, a little bit of meditation, because there's a tiny bit of meditation in that first book. And then just ask everyone you know to retweet, to share, to do, you know, to see. And again, part of what they're doing is trying to figure out if you can learn how to do this stuff and are you willing to do it? And so I was able to, I think my Twitter followers, I don't, I can't remember the numbers anymore. I think my, I think I had maybe a thousand Twitter followers. And within a couple of weeks, I was up to two or 3000, but more importantly, the impressions went up. So there's like on the backside, you can look at insights on Twitter and you can see essentially how many pairs of eyeballs are on a particular thing, whether they follow you or not. And those went up a ton just by my, you know, asking my followers, Hey, can you retweet things for a little while? And I would just tell them, I'm trying to get a book contract. I'm trying to see if I can figure all this out. Can you help? And when you just tell people the truth, they are so willing to help you. And if they're not, they're not your people anyway. So, uh, so yeah, so that was kind of a fun and terrifying game because it felt like, oh my God, am I going to get this deal? Because you know, I'd worked so hard. I'd published, I, I'm sorry, had pitched so many different places. And then I had this woman who was very interested. So, so, um, so again, it's kind of a yes and no, but um but ultimately, getting on uh, other places like in newspaper articles, in magazines, being featured in other stories, that's how you reach new people. That, and, and then once you reach them, you want to invite them to join your email list. Not so you can spam them, just so you can have conversations with them and get to know them. And then they figure out, is this a book I want to read? Is this a person I want to follow? Is this a coach I might want to hire? You know, any of those things that you get to know them, just like you wouldn't, um, you know, you wouldn't walk down your street and just start shouting, hey, buy my thing. You know, you make relationships. You do it uh, very gradually. And, and, um, and once I realized that, that I had a product, I mean, the book is essentially a product, but it's, it's a product that for the right person is exactly what they need at that time. I just have to find those people. 
that need that thing. And, um, and that helped take a lot of the kind of ugh out of it because marketing can sound smarmy and you think used car salesman and all that stuff. And, and no, that's not. It's about building relationships and building them authentically and honestly, really very small groups at a time. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, that is golden advice for anyone who's maybe listening and is like, oh, okay, this is great. So thank you for sharing that. And well, thanks I for did. the question. It yeah. was fun. To- <laughs> yeah. You know, the other thing that happens is when you do this stuff, you get so close to it, you forget that you're just doing it. It becomes like water to fish or something. And so it's actually helpful to me to go, oh yeah, I, I, I do this. I, I'm doing this thing. <laughs> yeah. I recorded one when I wrote my book last, well, a couple of years ago now, but uh, about self-publishing because I went that route and I was kind of debating. And so that's actually a lot of people have listened to that. That's where I think these episodes are helpful because then they're like, oh, what are, you know, what are the ins and outs? Why did you choose this first that? And, you know, having the opposite, you know, why did you choose this for self-publishing? And how does that happen? What does it look like? Um, I think that's always great for people just to kind of tune into and hear and be like, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense. This is what is right for me. You actually didn't ask this question, but I'm going to answer yeah. it anyway. Why self-publishing? Yeah. I'm a person who likes um, things that you frame that have little gold stars you know, diplomas and certificates and stuff. And I needed the gold star mm-hmm. of having someone who didn't know me, who was in the business say, this book is worth publishing. And I have some other, like I said, the memoirish things that I worked on before that really, I, I, I think that they are, would be interesting to my readers, but they're probably not that interesting to, to a particular uh, traditional publisher because um, with memoir, especially, it's such a, it's just a crapshoot. I don't know else to say it. It's very much like winning a letter. And so those things I might be interested in self-publishing someday because I think that I would like to have them out there. Um, but I, it just doesn't seem like it's the kind of thing that, I mean, you never know. But, um, um, but so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I made a note. I'm going to go back and find that episode yeah. for sure. Because that's one I didn't, haven't listened to yet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, when did I, I probably did it well yeah probably 2021 perfect somewhere at the end of the year yeah right around when I I released the books that I yeah yeah yeah. in October but that's that's one so if anyone else is listening they're like oh yep so probably October 2021 if you want to go back and listen to that one and um, I worked with a book coach and we decided that was going to be best for for me at that time and um, it's worked out it's worked out well I was quite quite pleased with you know what I've sold and Um, that's where, when you were talking about who it lands with, you know, and my book is about the period and, you know, menstrual health and around the seasons. And one thing that I really resonated with when you'd said, you never know who it lands with, I had a lot of teenagers, like this Mm -hmm. has been a book where teenage girls are using it and they're referencing it. And I have moms emailing me, like my daughter has it like on display in her room and we'll talk about it with her friends. And I'm like, Uh, this is amazing. You know, I had no idea this was going to reach that audience, but I'm like, this is great. So I really, yeah. I really, you never know who this book will land with, or who your book will land with, you know, stuff like that. Right. That just is so cool. That's right. And you just keep putting it out there and trusting that it'll find, I mean, you have to do the work also, but finding the right readership is the, you know, the, the audience rather. Yeah. Um, so yeah. powerful. That's so exciting. I just love that your book oh. did that. That's, I, I can see that I have a, it's my sister's granddaughter. So I guess she's my great niece. Um, and, uh, I can just see her. 
that I think that I need to get that for me. That's yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would love to know most of your books. Um, what kind of inspires you to write them? Is it all personal? Like, you know, this stuff has happened to me or how did you kind of find your inspiration for your books? Yeah, I'm a memoirist. I like to write about me. I'm my favorite character, definitely. <laughs> I have written some fiction, um, but uh, I do National Novel Writing Month every year just as sort of a hobbyish thing. But it also is a, a tool. If you don't know what that is, in November every year, there is a challenge called National Novel Writing Month. I tend to cheat. I call it cheating. They call them rebels. I write nonfiction often, but I have written a few novels. And so... I'll get a, a first draft of something. It helps me figure out um, something. And I have just been writing on and off for years. I was actually a lawyer for 10 years. And I that was not a very good... I, I became partner, so I was really good at it. But it was not um, a good environment for me. The, the conflict, the having to argue all day long, it's just uh, that's just not me. I love the research. I love the writing. I had great people I worked with, but um, yeah. So once that ended, I went to a lot of different workshops. I wound up uh, studying with a woman named Natalie Goldberg, who is a, she's a Zen practitioner. I think she might even be a Zen priest, but she coined the term writing practice, created this process called writing practice. And I fell in love with that because I'd been a meditator. And so the combination of um, meditation and writing and thinking of writing as a meditative practice really spoke to me. And she had all these books. So I thought, oh, maybe she can teach me to write a book. And that's not really her thing. But what's interesting is in that process, I learned what interested me, because that's part of what you do in writing practices. You go back after you've filled some notebooks, you go back and reread them. And see what are the things that come up again and again. What are the themes? What is you know what is interesting? What um, can you work some work on later? And then eventually, I went to. I actually became Natalie's assistant. I moved to Taos for a while, and I was her assistant for about ten years. Um, and then I eventually got my master's. And in this process, I had written about a time right after I quit practicing law when my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And he was dying of cancer, and I had been um, <clears throat> had a major depressive episode, had been in a mental hospital for a while, and was in treatment for mental health issues. And so I had all this time that I hadn't had, and all he wanted to do was play golf. And so he and I played golf on these real, I mean, really crappy golf courses in Lincoln County, Ohio, rural Ohio. And, um, and so I wrote about that for years. And that's one of the memoirs that I still feel... Um, that I would like to put out in the world, but I, it's just not quite, there's like something about the story that maybe I haven't gone deep enough in myself to figure out, but there's just something that's not quite there. And so I pitched that for a number of years. Um, but yeah, the stories come from my experience, my life, my observations of life. And I, the, the themes that come up again and again are mental health, meditation, dogs. And then once I started running, then it was all about, there was a lot of writing about running, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I walk the dog too. So there's walking and I've done, I've done a ton of different fitness kind of um, things, but, uh, but running's the one that's stuck. It's been 12 years now. So. How do you find time? Cause all of those can be, you know, running, meditating, even writing. This can be long process where you could spend 
hours doing each of them. So how do you kind of manage your time? I know you talked about, you know, you do all of those, but do you do all those daily or are some shorter? What does that kind of look like in your, your daily routine? I'm more of a binger. So mm. I'm, uh, or they might call it a Phoenix where I burn hot and then I have to rest for a while. And with the running, because I train for particular events, I have a schedule and that is very helpful because it takes the decision-making out because I tend to get stuck in the decision spiral and I just follow the training plan to a certain extent. I mean, if it's 30 below and you know snowing sideways, I might choose to run on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. And I'm not much of a treadmill runner, but I do run in my house sometimes. I do what, what's called house jogging. You can go on, on TikTok. There's a, a recording of me running through my house. And I, I live in a ranch house, and it's kind of this weird, um, kind of a figure eight almost. But anyway, um, so, but that's a really good question, because let me just talk about privilege. I don't have a day job. I don't have children. I'm a middle-class white woman. All right? So let's just get that out of the road. There's going to be a lot of people who cannot juggle this stuff. And that makes me so sad because for me, these are actually mental health tools, the meditation, the writing, the running. Having said that, I also run ultra marathons in which you have to train for hours and hours and hours. You don't have to do that. You know, you can just run a mile around your block, (laughs) around your neighborhood. You don't have to be insane about it and still get a lot of uh, emotional, physical, cognitive benefits from that. Same thing with meditation. You can meditate in 10-minute increments. You can meditate while you're walking. You can meditate while you're taking care of your children, while you're working. Wait, I mean, you really can. That's actually what the, the most recent book is about, is kind of, it's, it's, it, the spin is fitness, how to meditate while you're exercising. But it's really anytime you're moving. So it's sort of a how to meditate anytime, anywhere kind of book. Once you have the framework, you realize how adaptable that is. And so, um, so the, the thing that actually takes the most time is the marketing of the books. <laughs> and I really have to be careful not to let that um, kind of interfere with all the other things that are really the foundation. And I, it's just a, it's a personality thing where I can be very competitive and can be um, very rabbit hole-ish. I start going, you know, I get into a particular thing. I'm like, oh, let me learn about this. Oh, and then that, oh, but there's another video. How about this video? You know, it's all about learning stuff under the guise of working, but I'm not getting the words down or the miles done or the, you know, the meditation minutes. So, so yeah. And I think we each have to kind of find our own way because I've coached a bunch of writers. I, I kind of, um, you know, I've taught meditation on and off for years and I, I'm not, I'm not current. Well, I might be by now by the time this drops, but I'm um, working to be certified as a running coach also just, um, just to be, it's like to round out my education and make sure I'm not, I mean, I tell people what I do, but I just make sure I'm not doing something that's going to harm somebody else. Um, But people are different. And so somebody else might need um, a friend to challenge them. Whereas another person, a challenge would terrify them and they just need to be alone. And I, I think knowing yourself and being honest with yourself and not trying to do too much because people think, oh, I have to, you know, look at somebody like me who has all these pieces that I've been working on for many, 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 many years to get uh, some kind of juggling act going. And don't do that. Look at yourself and go, well, I can tuck this in here 
um, but there's not going to be time for this other thing right now. And just, just that honesty is going to be really helpful. So that's a really good question. And I think it's a, it's a frustrating question, especially right now in our world. It's just, a, it's been a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like finding that space, that's where I talk about, like I coined this uh, 10 minute Ayurvedic medicine that I created a while ago. And just like, how can you build your own little 10 minute practices into your day? And a lot of it is, you know, for mental health of just taking that time. So we don't crash and burn and, you know, you know, fill our evening with a glass of wine every night. And then that can go and go. And then that's what I saw a lot of in the past couple of years of like people like, okay, I got to take this back. And a lot of it was, there was no time for you. Like, especially burnt out moms who were at home with kids and trying to do it all and, you know, work and homeschool and all this stuff. So that's where I'm like, yeah, it's, it takes, it takes a lot of work to kind of put those practices in place and sticking with them can be hard too. So. Yeah. And just trying, not being afraid to try something that sounds ridiculous Mm -hmm. because the only reason I started running is I was so depressed that I wasn't really sure I wanted to stay on the planet. But I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this high school friend who posted, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I thought, we need to do a wellness check on Kim. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, But it planted a seed in my mind and I just watched her after a while and I thought, well, I'm definitely not having fun. And she looks like she is having fun. So, you know, so don't be, that's what I'm saying is like, let something come in the side door. Because a lot of times I, well, this is my, I have, I have all these sort of, um, I don't know, trite phrases that I, and the one is the nearest exit may be behind you, like on the plane. So you, you don't know, we, we get this tunnel vision on what we know. And the solution may be something that's in your peripheral vision or behind you. But as soon as you open your mind to that, there's actually a process in the brain Um that once you open your mind to a possible solution and trusting that that may not look like something you're familiar with, things will start to arise because your brain will actually start to focus on that. It's a, it's a filter. It's called the reticular activating system. And it's a filter that filters information because if we didn't have that filter, there's so much data coming at us, we would go crazy. So, but once you, that's how people talk about intentions or talk about, you know, manifesting things like that. Um, and I, I don't go into the woo woo stuff, so I'm not sure about that, but I know that for me, if I turn on that part of my brain and say, all right, I need to do something about my food plan, let's say just, and I, all I have to do is make that thought, you know, have that thought, say that out loud maybe. And then pretty soon I'll start hearing, oh, I didn't even know Sue was trying this or wow. I didn't know that, you know, that John is doing this thing and uh, like new information will start to come in because I've opened those tiny windows to it. So. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, that's great advice. Cause that's where sometimes we get stuck. We call it like, I was just very focused in fitness. And then once I was like, huh, this yoga retreat that I went on in Costa Rica was amazing. And then I immediately signed up for a yoga teacher training and that introduced me to Ayurveda. I mean, it was just like this trickle down effect of like stuff where I'm like, let me step outside what I think is this is the only path to being like, I think there's other options. So I totally yes. can relate. Yes. Well, I would so love nice. to know. Yeah. Oh, I know that you love dogs. And so I kind of wanted to finish with uh, maybe you have a fun dog story that you'd like to share with us. I think oh. one or two. Oh dear. Yeah. Well, last night she came in from outside. So, so the dog, just, just to put it out there, the dog in the first book, that book, the time span that that book covered 
was 2010 to 2012. So the dog in that book was already four in 2010. So unfortunately, he went to the great dog park in the sky. He was very happy. He lived, I think he was, you know, a yellow lab who lived 13 years, but, uh, um, but he, was the, he was the best boy ever. So we have this newish dog. She's now actually five. Scarlet, the pupperina. She has her own hashtag. She's actually so bad. She's the 99% good dog because she's so bad. Um, and last night she went outside and it was dark out. And I, at, late at night, I don't turn the back light on because it shines right into the neighbor's house and they've got kids and I'm, I don't know, you know, they have blinds, but it's just, I don't want to wake up all their kids. So I sent her out there in the dark, which is not a problem for her. And, you know, she didn't make any sound or bark or anything. She just went out and then she wanted back in. And while I let her back in, she was covered with this, like her back was covered with this oil, this brownish oil. And it looked like what happens when a dog gets skunked, but it didn't smell like that. It had a little bit of an odor. Um, and she just trotted in like, you know, oh, I was just playing with some wild animal in the backyard. Can you wash me off now? And she just sat down in the kitchen like, you can wash me off now. <laughs> So you just know, and I still don't know. I mean, I looked outside and, um, and it was, yeah, because the skunk, it's sort of an oil. So it's some kind of musk or something from some animal. I mean, and there was a lot of it. I mean, it wasn't just some little tiny, it was like her entire back was covered with this brownish goo. And, uh, yeah, so we bathed the dog at midnight last night. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my, that's the latest dog story, but mostly she, um, she is a really good runner she loves to just trot 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 along with me and we mostly trot around our neighborhood i don't take her you know a lot of people do can across there's all these different kinds of ways to run with your dog that are a little more complicated i tend to just run in the neighborhood with her i'm very careful about when it's too hot she's there is no such thing as too cold for her (laughs) um but um um and she's just such a good she's actually i can i'm looking across the uh, across my office and she's actually laying on the floor mm-hmm. earlier today she was um she has this bone that is looks like a figure eight but it's curved so it's sort of like a little cradle you know if you imagine an eight if you just bend it in the middle into a little kind of half circle and she loves that she chew chew chews on it it's a hard bone and this morning when i came out she was she was using that bone as a pillow so she had her, she had it, you know, with the, with the cradle part up and her head was just cradled in that giant bone. <laughs> and unfortunately I didn't get a picture because she saw me and then she got up, but, uh, but I'm thinking, dog, you have a bed, you have a rug, you have, a, why are you using this hard bone? But bone is love. You no know, bone is love. So <laughs> she's that sleeping with it. Yeah. But yeah, she just is, I mean, she's just a good dog. Um, oh, actually, the best story about her, which is a is a happy, sad story, is uh, so Morgan, our previous dog, um, he had congestive heart failure, and we knew he was going to to die, and uh, and he did, and you know we did everything to make him as comfortable as possible, and then I think it was the day, so that happened Monday, I think it was Wednesday morning, my husband got up and he said, "Man, he said the house is so quiet. I just it's like a Morgan." I said, "Yeah, I know." And, he Morgan was really the first dog that he fell in love with. And I've been a dog person all my life. So I'm not that it's ever easy to lose a dog, but I had heard that nothingness of the absence of dog. I had been, you know, in that place before. And so I knew that. 
And I said, yeah, I said, we'll either get used to it or we'll get another dog. And I was thinking we'd rescue a dog because we rescued, had, had rescued Morgan. And it was, I think he was six months. He was young. But so I went off that we both went off in our, you know, through our day. And I um, go to this coffee house or actually this, anyway, I go to this place I was writing and uh, I'm writing along. And I get a text from my husband that says, I need your help. Can you call me? And I said, okay. And then he sent a second text with a picture of him holding this puppy. And I texted back and I said, I thought you were going to the bookstore. And then the long explanation was that there is a chain pet store next to the bookstore (sighs) that he didn't know this but every single day it has a giant banner across the wind you know across the the storefront window that says puppy sales they're having a sale it's like they have a sale every day but he had been there playing with this one puppy this only you know yellow lab puppy um he said i just went in to see if they had any yellow labs and that's how we ended up with scarlet because <laughs> I mean, what am I going to say? No, you can't have the puppy. And he's been there. He's totally bonded with this dog. So, Aww. so yeah, we we rescued her from this chain. I won't say the name, but yeah, I was like, just tell me you're not at that chain. He's like, but what? So he just didn't know. So yeah, that's how we ended up. With and she's a she's a scoundrel. But you know, you got to remember, she was probably a puppy mill dog, uh, Amish puppy mill, and she had lived in a crate or a cage for four months of her little puppy life. So she got no socialization, none of the mommy training, none of the other, you know, person training she would normally get. Um, so we essentially adopted a very adorable wolf and, uh, um, and she's still, and that's partly her personality. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but I love her. I, she just, I mean, she just is still at five getting into things and just, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, I want to know where people can connect with you. Where can people find your books if they want more, Anita? I love this question. You can find my books wherever fine books are sold. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my editor told me to say. But the, mm-hmm. seriously, though, the best way to contact me or to find all this is at nitasweeney.com. So it's just N-I-T-A-S-W-E-E-N-E-Y.com. And I have freebies there. You can sign up for my newsletter if you want. All the books are for sale and I have like a bunch of buy links to different places. Um, so you can find your favorite place and articles, all kinds of different stuff there. But yeah, it's perfect. And then just one final question. I always like to throw out a weekly challenge to the listeners. And then when I have a guest on, I have you throw out the challenge to everyone. So what would you like that challenge to be this week? I love this. I challenge you every time you walk through a door to feel not think but feel which foot goes through first i love that so you're in that moment right there you just drop into your feet and in that moment then you can let it go and go on with your day i love that we've never had that one i'm gonna have to i've never tried that myself so that's kind of fun well thank you for that one you're welcome it's it's one of my favorites because it's just an easy way to just have a tiny moment of mindfulness while you're moving Anytime in your day. Love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Nita, for coming on and sharing all your wisdom with us today. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. This has been a great conversation. I appreciate your good questions and I appreciate the work you do. I love the kind of the spin on things you have and it's just good stuff. So thanks a lot.
Thank you. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power.